0: Good morning. We have been going through 1 John. Man, what a good book this is. A letter. It's actually a letter, but it's a, it's a great letter. And as we go through it today, we're going to do a little bit of a quick survey through it on a couple of main things that we've seen. But before we get into that, this morning I sat in on the ACE class, led by Phil, and we talked about Media. We talked about the way media works. We talked about all of those things. And it's funny how God does this. He always kind of works, works this thing. The very opening statement of what, what I was going to say this morning is right in line with, with what we were talking about in ACE. I love that. My first statement was, so much of the world revolves around building a following, it's like, yeah, that's exactly what we were talking about. Media, the goal, building a following. Like, that's our life now, isn't it? That's, that's the world we live in. There's so much getting, getting a collection of people around us that say the things that we like, that agree with us, that follow us. It's the world of social media, for sure. Everyone's a content creator. Everyone is concerned about who follows you. Uh, what kind of engagement are you seeing with your, with your post, with your website, engagement, following, uh, all of that. But if we think about it, I mean, if we're honest, those of us who aren't so engaged in the social media scene, let's go back. And, and when I say not so engaged, you, you generally know what I mean there, right? Older, maybe. <laughs> me, me. You know, people like me, not quite as engaged in it. I'm aware of it. I, I'm like up in it, but I, I don't engage it as much. Certainly not as much as I did for a little while. But if you think back, it really isn't new. We've been, this is just kind of how we operate. Think about it. Think about it when you were in school. Follow Followers mattered. Weren't there popular kids? Wasn't being popular a value? And if it wasn't, it was for you personally, it certainly was in general, wasn't it? It's 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 just natural. The reach was smaller, of course, they weren't (laughs) it wasn't on a global scene, but the desire to be recognized, to be admired, to be respected, to be noticed, it's the same. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And it wasn't about whether you succeeded or not. It wasn't about whether I was actually popular or not. The point point is, is that we all have that in us. We desire that. The flip side to that desire is not only do we want a following, we look for people to follow. That's natural in us too. Even the most successful people out there have those they look up to. Game recognized game, right? We see people with traits, skills, abilities, and often character that we admire, we hold them in high regard. We might even try to imitate them to a degree. It's even more significant when we know that person when we have a relationship. And when this is done right, it's good. It's powerful. This is what mentoring looks like. It's what it's about. Discipleship. It's it's like all in the same same category, but when it's done wrong, when it goes wrong, when that person that we were following is revealed to not have the character we thought they had, it can be devastating, can't it? And I say that because I know you felt this. We've all felt this. What happens when they walk away? What happens when the people we looked up to are revealed to be something else and they take others with them and they turn people that we care about against us. That hurts like that. There's a lot of pain in this world, but that's in the top three for sure. And the question that always comes up is how do how do I know? How do I know this person is who they say they are? How do I not fall for this again? How do I know that I won't be that person? A little ways down the road. It's a real question. And it's a raw question. Because it's coming out of a place of a painful experience. Something has happened that has caused us to question the people we've trusted and the faith that we've claimed. We've been reading through this letter of 1 John. And if you were to do a quick review of this letter, you'll realize this is who John is writing to. He's writing to a group of believers who are coming off of seeing people that they loved, that they admired, walk away Embrace a different message a different gospel And try to take the people that they love the people that they are in it together with take it with take them with them That's what they're experiencing. That's who John is writing to They were they were hurting They were disappointed They were unsettled because it seemed like these people, they were it seemed like they were with them. They had all the look, they had all the they knew what to say and they knew the way to act. And they left. And John is writing to comfort them. Not a cheat comfort. Not the God's got this under control but address the real hurt. Address it for what it is. And we can see that. If we look for all the, all the places in John, in 1 John, where he says, I am writing so that, then we get to see the goal of John in this letter. He says it, he tells us. We just have to pay attention. I am writing so that... And he says it. He says, "I am in one four He says, "I am writing, basically, so that you may experience, that we may experience, complete joy." I am writing so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, know that you have an advocate, Jesus. I am writing so that you would be, so that they would be reminded of the work of God in their lives in chapter 2 verses 12 through 14 i am writing so that you will recognize those who are trying to deceive you 226 i am writing that you may know you have eternal life 513 experience joy Avoid sin, but when you do, there's someone standing as your advocate that you would know God is still working in your life. You're hurting now. You feel like you've been abandoned. You feel like you've been betrayed. God is still working. I want you to know that. I want you to have it in your head. I want you to be solid in this. And next time, I want you to be able to recognize those who are going are going to try to deceive you. I want you to see it. I want you to see the warning signs. But above it all, I want you to know that you have eternal life, comfort, assurance. Because when we get, when we feel that sense of betrayal, one of the first things we lose is a sense of confidence and assurance in the thing that we've been believing in for all this time. Isn't that true? So, what we're looking at today is that four, <clears throat> that fourth one. How do we recognize the deceiver? And that brings us to our passage, First John chapter four, verses one through six. Let's read that together. Beloved, that tells us something right there, doesn't it? Those of you whom I love, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God (coughs) listens to us. Whoever is not from God Does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Lord, we come before you this morning, thankful for your word, thankful for your spirit who helps us, guides us into all understanding, who comforts, who heals who instructs. We're thankful for your son. We're thankful that Jesus came into this world, lived a perfect life, died, and rose again. And that he is now seated at your right hand. And that he's coming again. We're thankful, Lord. And Father, help us to understand. Help us to Guard the faith that you have given to us. Guard the gospel. Guard the word. Lord, that's your work, but use us to do it. Help us to see truth from lie, truth from error, and to be committed to following you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So John is coming in hot. He starts right off the bat with a single command. Test the spirits. Single command. Test them. Don't just accept everything you've heard. Don't just accept whatever people in the church are telling you. Remember, the people who left, who showed themselves to be uh, false. In chapter 2, he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. They were within the body. So he's saying, test the spirits. Man. Everybody? Test everybody? We've got to do that? Man, that sounds like a lot of work. We'll let the pastors do that. Let's let the deacons do that. Or the elders. We'll let them worry about testing the spirits. I. No, no, no. John's not writing to elders. He's writing to the whole body. But this whole letter so far has been about testing the spirits. This whole letter so far. How do I know? Because he says this again and again and again. By this, you know. By this, you will know. By this, we know. It's all throughout this letter, again and again. In 1 John 2, 3, we see, we see and we'll just, I'm just going to skip over the by this we know, or you know, or whatever version of it that he uses here, and just get to the main, main thing that he's saying. It says, by this we know, we have come to know him. By this, oh, I said I was going to skip that. In <laughs> and, and 2, 4, that we are in him. In 310, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Ooh, man, that's a that's a strong statement. But we can know that. That we have passed out of death into life. That we by this we know love. In three sixteen. And by this we know that he abides in us. Tests. It's all tests. It's a way for us to look and evaluate. Tests aren't bad. Tests aren't necessarily accusing or arrogant. It's simply discerning. And he's given us tools to be able to discern, to be able to sift through this. And you'll notice that most of, <clears throat> most of them are about being able to look and, and know that we are accepted by God. That we would be able to understand what love is. We know love because he first loved us. Test. We that that we would know that he abides in us. You see what he's doing He's writing to a hurt people and trying to build them up and help them understand. God is is for you He loves you. He's in you. He's with you. He's strengthening you. He's giving you everything you need This is who God is. This is what God is doing Understand this know the signs be able to discern it and know but in the middle of it he gives us a test to know who the children of God and who are the children of the devil. And he started in 310. Like, that's where that came from. By this it is evidence who, evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. It would be a great exercise to go read back through John and look at all these statements. By this you know, by this we know. And see... What is it that that John is trying his best to get this group of believers to really embrace and understand? It really comes down to three things or three categories. He looks at what they believe, he looks at their obedience. Do they keep the commandments? And he looks at their love. And you can't take any one of those out. We make a lot of mistakes when we focus on one or two of those, but don't don't look at all three. John has them all in there, all throughout. What we believe matters. In fact, in 3.23, he says this, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name, commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, And love one another, just as he commanded us. He's got them all all packed into that one little verse. What we believe matters, how we live matters, and the way we love matters. And he goes off of that straight into chapter 4. And he says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to know whether they are from God. Why? For many false prophets have gone into the world. Test what? Test the spirits. We need this reminder over and over again, too. People are not our enemy, the people around you, they're not your enemy. There is a spiritual realm that is very real that we live in the middle of every day that we often forget about. People are not our enemy. In Ephesians 6 chapter 12 or verse 12 it says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood Paul says it as plainly as you can possibly say it. People are not your enemy. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Man, I wish the church had really paid attention to this throughout history. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And then he goes on to describe what the armor of God looks like. But we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Our battle is not physical. The people who hurt you, and the people that we are angry with, and the people who annoy us to no end, they're not your enemy. They're not my enemy. What the, where the battle is, is between the Spirit of God and the spirit of Antichrist. Now, we say this, like we've taught Ephesians. You, you, so many of us have read Ephesians many times. And we, we talk about the spiritual world, but we live as if, as if it doesn't exist often. We say it, and we believe it. Like, we believe if we accept this as God's word, then we, we believe it. But the way we live is like, do I really believe it? Do I really believe that this battle is is, is something beyond... That the, that the spiritual is actually more real than the physical around us? Hebrews talks about that, doesn't it? It talks about how the temple and all of that was a shadow of a spiritual truth. Marriage itself is a picture of that, isn't it? Isn't it a shadow of the spiritual truth of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church? We see it again and again... These, these physical things that are pointers to the spiritual reality. But then we get back to the real world. And John's saying, test the spirits. Understand who the real battle is with. It's a command. And so what, is, what are these tests? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. What do they say about Jesus? That's test number one. The person bringing this message. They may not be an enemy, but they have a message. What is their message about Jesus? That's the first test. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. We could, it's probably, Christ was not Jesus' last name. It's a title. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. That he has come in the flesh. We see here, the deity of Jesus and we see the humanity of Jesus 100% God 100% human come together in the man Jesus died and rose again First John in, in the first chapter of this letter we really get the feel of this verses 1 or chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 it says that which was from the beginning here we're seeing the deity side of it that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This is John the apostle, one who walked with Jesus, who ate with him, who leaned against his chest at the last supper. He'd looked upon him. He'd touched him with, our, with his own hands. He's talking about Jesus, and he says, concerning, and he calls him this, the word of life. He was from the beginning. If you go back to John's gospel, same author, and look at chapter 1 there, it gets real real specific. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here he's, he's starting in the same way. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We see the Son is the word of life, the very source of eternal life. We see the Son was from the beginning and was with the Father. There's nothing else that was from the beginning and with the Father. Angels weren't from the beginning and with the Father. Nothing. Only God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the Son of God and the promised Messiah. He is the Christ. Does their message include that? That Jesus is the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, eternal, co eternal with the Father, one in substance with God. Does the message contain his humanity? Because Jesus in his humanity, he died as a sacrifice for our sins. In two, he says, he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Only a human could die. God can't die. But God died. Hmm. Wrap your head around that one a little bit. In doing so, he destroyed the works of the devil. That's three eight. So we have Jesus Christ, eternal son, came in the flesh, died for our sins, and returned to the father. Rose again, returned to the father. Jesus, who experienced humanity firsthand, now advocates for us. That's two one. He has secured the promise of eternal life, and that life is in the Son. Two twenty five and five eleven. So you see what they what what someone says about Jesus reveals whether they are from God or not. If if their picture of Jesus is something less than this, then it is not the gospel. It's a test. So as as we hear these many messages coming at us, and there are many, many messages coming at us, are we evaluating them? Are we asking this question? What do you say about Jesus? You're telling me how I can have peace in this life. What's your authority? What do you say about Jesus? That's test number one. And then he goes on. And he throws this right in the middle of this, which is so great. Because he kind of breaks out of a test, moves into something else. Okay, so by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, right? The test. Which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Okay, time out. That's a really strong statement too. Any message about Christ that is not all of that isn't just less. It's Antichrist. It's counter to Christ. It is against Christ. Christ. This is not something we can compromise on. But he goes on, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. You've overcome the false prophets. You have. You've overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So he's talking to them and, he's, and right in the middle of the test, John reminds them of who they are. You are children of God. You are children of God. And he says, remember John's goals. Assurance. He wants them to be assured. He wants them to have strength. He wants them to have fellowship together. And he wants them to be comforted. All of these come from who we are in Christ. It doesn't come from following a philosophy or obeying all the rules. It comes from who God has made us. And who lives in us now. You see... To overcome is to recognize, in this context, is to recognize the error and to reject it. This group of believers, this church, had seen the false teachers, they recognized them, and they, they had ended up leaving. It was incredibly painful, but they were no longer there amidst their body. And so in that sense, they had overcome. However... More will come. And he's saying, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember who you are. Remember that I promised you that I would never leave you nor forsake you. John didn't say that. Jesus said that. But that's true through the Holy Spirit, which is so close to Jesus that in John 17, I think, talks about how the Spirit takes from 15, 16, or 17, one of those, takes from Jesus and gives to us, that he only takes from from jesus just as jesus only received from the father and presented all that they're so close that the holy spirit is often called the spirit of christ the holy spirit reveals jesus as he is so to know the holy spirit is to know jesus just as to know jesus was to know the father and that's who we have living in us as believers he says that is who you are don't be afraid don't be afraid there will be more false prophets. There will be te- people teaching wrong things. They will try to lead you astray. Remember that. People are deceived. They're hurt. They embrace things. And, and they try and pull others into that. We all do it. Let's not be self-righteous here. We have all done this. And he's saying, I'm with you. I'll help you recognize it. You don't have to be afraid. And then he comes to another test. And the question is, is how does the message compare with the apostles' message? How does the message that you're hearing compare with the apostles' message? Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. In other words, we are speaking the message, First John, John chapter 1, we're spe- speaking the message that we have heard. We're telling you the story. This is our testimony of Jesus. That's what we're telling you. That's what we, the apostles, and I know, he, we know that because he's moving from, you are from God, they are from the world, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. We, John, and those bringing the message, the apostles, we are from God. And the people who are from, and those who are from God, listen to us. How does their message compare with the apostles' message? You see, the spirit of error appeals to the world because it moves and it adapts. It fits, it, it, it fits the current atmosphere of the culture and the specific audience it, it strives to win. Have you recognized this? Messages shift. And depending on who, they're try, who someone is trying to get to follow them, the message will shift. And that's the way it works. It's not rooted, the message isn't rooted in anything except to build a following apart from the truth of the gospel. That's why you won't hear about sin, unless it's some culturally acceptable definition of sin. That's why you won't hear about God unless it's a version of God that's acceptable to culture. But a holy God that judges sin and judges us, you won't hear about that too much. But a God who loves indiscriminately, that you'll hear about. Now, God is love, don't get me wrong. But God's not some, you know, cool step-parent that just comes in and gives you what you want whenever, they, whenever you're kind of in a bad place and just leaves you to yourself the rest of the time. You don't hear about that kind of God. It's not acceptable. So, how does the message compare with the Apostle's message? And finally, what is the response to the Apostle's message? They are from the world therefore they speak from the world or therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them we are from god whoever knows god listens to us whoever is not from god does not listen to us by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error kind of wraps it all up with that it's impossible to embrace both messages the message of the world and the message of the gospel the message of the apostles you can't embrace them both You just can't. They contradict. You can't keep your reason and your foot, each foot, one foot in each of these. The message we embrace and live out, it reveals what we really believe and who we follow. Are we from God or are we from the world? John talks about this earlier too. In in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, He says this, verse 19. If you were of the, if you, well, I'm going to back up to 18 real quick. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If we back up a little bit more. Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. We read this earlier. But he who enters the door, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he is brought when he's brought out all his own he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice a stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers jesus spoke when he was on earth his sheep hear his voice the voice of the good shepherd And they responded. They followed. Jesus continued to speak through the apostles. This is what the book of Acts is recording. Jesus continues his work through the apostles, whose message was then written down so that it would be available to his people until he returns. Jesus still speaks. Those who know God... Listen to the apostolic testimony which was written down and which we have right here. The test is the same today as it was then. We look to the written testimony since we don't have the apostles here to proclaim it in person. We have what they, what they wrote. And those who are not from God... They reject this. They reject it. And those who are from God, they hear and they listen. So we got these tests. What do they say about Jesus? How does the message line up? With the, with the message of the apostles that we have recorded here. That's for the teachers. And who who are we listening to? That was for the readers. And through all of this, remember who we are. Testing is hard. Discerning right from wrong takes courage. To say something is right, to say something is wrong, takes courage. And it probably means, because they hated Jesus, that many are going to hate us if we do that. But we don't have to fear because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. He has already overcome, and he has included us in his victory. So stand. Stand for the gospel. Remember the hurt and the pain. Jesus came to reconcile sinners to himself, and now he uses us in that very, in that very plan. As we bow and prepare our hearts for prayer, we need to be thinking about this. If we turn this in and kind of look at ourselves with this, we always begin with the same question. Who is Jesus? Will we trust him? Will we embrace the claim that the Son of God became human, suffered, and died on the cross as the sacrifice for our sin? for my sin, for your sin. Who is Jesus? Will we embrace the claim that it is by this and this alone that we have everlasting life? That in doing that, that we follow the firstborn Jesus who rose from the dead. We follow him into eternal life. Will we embrace that by his grace, through faith he makes us new sealing us over with the holy sealing us with the holy spirit so that now he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world will we embrace that by the spirit we now see the scriptures for what they are the word of god spoken through the apostles and recorded for the church for all time now we are his he calls we recognize his voice and we follow Don't be taken by the many prophets in our world. Don't get sucked into that. Test the spirits. Listen for the voice of the Good Shepherd. Know who you are in Christ. And live with the joy and confidence of those who have been adopted into his family forever. Because that, that is who he says we are. Father, you are so good. And on our own, We are your enemies. But through the the work of Jesus, through his sacrifice, through your grace, we can be reconciled, adopted into your family as your kids forever. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That is who you make us. You came to destroy the works of the devil. And you have done it. And Lord, one day, one day we look forward to with anticipation, you will return. And heaven and earth will be made new. And they will be made one. And our bodies will be completely freed from the curse of sin. And we will be whole, restored. And the world will not just be the Eden you created, but the paradise. Your heavenly Jerusalem forever. Because it will be where you will dwell. And no sin, no death, no disease, no war, will ever enter it ever again. That is our hope, Lord. We look to it. We desire it. We yearn for it, God. And in the meantime, use us to be little glimmers of your kingdom to a hurt and broken world that is enslaved to sin. Use your people To bring freedom and light and truth. And above all of them, love. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.